You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Brampierre. Today's episode is with Kelly Lee Owens. This is one of those episodes I've had in mind for a long time now, and it honestly turned out much better than I could have ever hoped. Back in 2017, Kelly released her self-titled debut album, and it's filled with songs full of texture, emotional explorations, and a true love of electronic music. Since then, she's toured constantly and has recently released the singles that will hopefully lead to her next full release. Kelly's lived a truly interesting life, which is exactly why I wanted to have her on the podcast, and you're going to hear so much about this life that she's lived. Um, And honestly, we get into that right away on this talk. Uh, We chat about her previous career before music, uh, growing up in Wales, and a lot more. This is the 405 Exchange with Kelly Lee Owens. So you definitely can't believe everything that you read on the internet, but before we go into your music, is it true that you used to work at a cancer treatment hospital in Manchester? Yes, um, Cancer Specialist uh, Research uh, Hospital. Um, when I was around 18, 19. Um, I actually like had two things I was interested in and one was obviously music, which has always like run throughout my life as, as kind of being a huge passion, but I didn't really know how to go about making it. Yeah. So the other thing, me being very practical, I was like, well, I could maybe, you know, help people. And that was the other thing, medicine, and yeah. that really interested me. So I took that step. Um, yeah, just like helping as an assistant nurse and um, it was life-changing in such a profound way at that age. Yeah, I can imagine. I would imagine it could be, it could only be just that, life-changing. And like, I bring it up because we've been fortunate to have a variety of different people on the podcast from various areas, obviously lots of people from the UK, but various different countries. I could definitely say you're the first person who has had that type of experience. So that's kind of why I wanted to open the talk. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean... I, what I learned from it was like, I know it sounds cheesy, but like I really learned to value life and living. And it was the people ultimately, like the patients there that, you know, would ask me what I was interested in, of course, that I have conversations every day. And they, you know, found out from me that I loved music. And they would say, well, why don't you just go and do that now? You know, while you're young, blah, blah, blah. And actually, so in a sense, they, yeah, they pushed me to, to follow that. And I think the perspective from them was always the regrets that they had, the things that they didn't do, didn't say. And in a sense, I then took that away and kind of run with it and lived, I've lived that way since. So I'm very grateful. That's so wild to me. So I imagine you've been making music a good portion of your life, but were you also making music then, like after hours and things like that? Not at that point. Um, I had my voice as my instrument, but I didn't, I couldn't play, apart from drums a little bit, I couldn't really play any instruments. So I was always kind of like, okay, I know I want to do it, but I don't actually know how or where to begin. So at that time, I was more kind of helping out bands in Manchester, like I'd help out in the early days, like Falls, Maccabees, and people like that and they're still like good friends of mine now but I'd just be doing merch or helping out at festivals and I was involved in like every way I could and ultimately that led to me going to XL Records and interning for a few weeks helping out Pure Groove which was a record store and Pure Groove offered me a paid like a salary um, in a a recession you know in a record store and I couldn't believe my luck and so 
when that happened, I uh, just moved from Manchester. That's really incredible. Um, I want to jump in talking about your music. Um, I feel like utilizing a descriptor like electronic music kind of does your music a disservice because the, the space that you occupy with your music, it's very lush, it's very textured, there's a lot of things going on. Um, I really want to talk to you about those different sounds you've been exploring. Um, I wonder, to start off in that sense, how important do you feel it is that your music feels textured? Because from ex experiencing your debut album, and I feel you're smiling because you kind of know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. that's very much what leapt up at me when I heard your album for the first time. Yeah, I mean, what I discovered when I first started creating music was like, I actually would take a lot of my own samples and uh, be inspired very much by them. So it was kind of like, I guess, the Welsh um, roots that I have kind of coming in lots of nature sounds and like, for example, in Bird, like I literally sampled Bird's song and slowed it down and that's the kind of whoom, whoom that you hear. And then there's also a bird doing a height hatch. So there's things like that. And then in Arthur, I sampled hailstone and then sidechained it to create a beat and so like nature and organic sounds very much made their way into ultimately you know in, in, in a collaboration I would say with more electronic based sounds but I think coming from Wales song melody that lush kind of uh, resonance of frequencies is something I've always uh, loved yeah and there's such like uh prominent history in Welsh music. I mean, even like mm -hmm. a band like Manic Street Preachers, where yeah. melody is so much of the forefront they do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, like your music is clearly very different from this artist I'm about to bring up, but the way you brought that up just now about that kind of Welsh spirit, it reminded me a lot of uh, Gweno. I know her. Yeah, yes, we, we've been friends for, well, I met her when I first ever moved to London, which was 10 years ago. Um, yeah, and she she's doing incredibly well and I'm super proud. It's that thing like, you know, like Welsh, where you're yeah. from somewhere, you're always proud of people. But especially because Welsh music, you know, it, it usually gets stuck, I would say, in a kind of, you know, folk and usually like a, a, a you know, a white male, obviously, kind of folky yeah. vibe. And actually, so to have these women coming through and presenting like slightly different perspectives, but still with that, um, uh, I guess, foundation of Wales is, is quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, another clear example, one of my favorite live bands is uh, the Joy Formidable. And over yeah. the last few years, they've been kind of doubling down on how much Wales means to them, which has been really cool seeing that in their artistry. Isn't that? Yeah, I think that when you, leave a place you know you actually have time to reflect on how it's impacted you positively and negatively but for the most part you know when you come from somewhere beautiful like uh, in terms of nature and environment you can only appreciate that and understand how that's probably affected you you know yeah, and that's amazing that's found its way into your music i'm going to start asking about the album a bit more but before i do that i wanted to ask about this tour that you're currently on um you're currently doing a tour mostly comprised of dj sets um how has that been doing these types of shows yeah really fun so uh, basically it's New York I think uh, San Francisco LA and Mexico and this is actually the first time that I'm doing a proper tour of it's just DJing yeah. I had to um, there was one time I think it was two years ago where I was supposed to support John Talibot and he missed like several flights there was something wrong and so I had to actually take over and I ended up DJing instead of doing a live show because it was in a club anyway so that's the only experience um, of me DJing in America so the rest of this tour is going to be just me headlining that and so I am super super excited I get that I get to do both as well ultimately I think that keeps it interesting for me yeah I haven't seen you live yet and I'm curious <laughs> what are the big differences between um, a Kelly Lee Owens uh, live show and a DJ set I mean obviously 
what a DJ set in mind is very clear, but how much uh, difference is there between your actual live show and that? Well, so the live show, um, I have like a setup of like three synths. I'm playing SPDS pads, I'm singing, I'm tweaking my vocals live through a MIDI keyboard. I am tweaking like three different synths at once sometimes and my hands and my arms are like everywhere and at the same time trying to sing and hold it down. So there's actually quite a lot of interaction of the sounds and, and manipulating the sounds. And I've also, you know, from, obviously I've been touring this for a couple of years now, I've kind of added synth lines on top and so it's more of a kind of journey of course of my music um, but yeah there's a lot more kind of like live elements happening as well as my voice. That's really something else, I mean talk about not making it easy for yourself in terms of the live show. Right? <laughs> yeah well I always, I always think like in a sense, I wanted to do as much as I could and I wanted it to feel as live as possible. So that maybe relates to the kind of samples you were talking about. I always want, because I come from an indie band kind of background in a sense. So I always feel like doing as much live is, is important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's probably why. That makes a lot of sense to me when you talk about the years when you got involved in music and when you'd be around bands like uh, Falls and the Maccabees starting out because, I mean, when you think about those times, it was almost a bit like a resurgence of not just guitar bands, but that indie spirit of like that very do it DIY approach. I mean, bands like the Maccabees got so big and like Falls are big now, but those early days, there was so much graft. Like, oh, there was yeah. a lot of it. That's the thing, that's, I have so much respect for those guys and like, um, that, but that ultimately led to me kind of, you know, having up, uh, just adopting that DIY spirit. I pressed to vinyl myself. I didn't wait for any label to tell me it was good enough. I just did it anyway. Yeah. And um, that was partly from working in record stores, but partly just seeing my friends like go ahead and keep creating and um, yeah, just, just being able to do it themselves up into a point. And so I was always going to kind of go down that path. And I'm really glad I did because when you do you learn a lot you know and then you can't be fooled as much I would say that's very true <laughs> respects to you on that uh, your debut self-titled album came out two years ago and it's still one of my favorite albums to put on I'm Aww. sure you probably heard people say this it's a really great album to commute to it's yeah. like a great album to listen to while you're in transit in transit that's interesting yeah. I think like music can do that it can kind of capture like there's movement within it so when there is movement around you I think that makes sense as to you yeah. know like why but um, yeah a lot of people keep saying that they're listening over and over again and I keep saying this but I'm so proud of that because <laughs> like my attention span is quite short and most other people's are in this day and age and so yeah, for them to have it on repeat is, is uh, quite an achievement in a sense you know yeah, it definitely <laughs> is that's like the ultimate goal um, yeah. the reason I brought the album up is because you've had the chance to live with it for quite some time now mm -hmm. I mean how do you find yourself feeling about the album two years later I actually really love it and I'm actually weirdly not bored of playing it. Yeah. So that's a surprise to me. That's really something <laughs> um, else. And I'm very proud of it still because it took quite a lot to get to that point of creating it. Um, I wasn't very confident and so I, I, I want to talk about this because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who don't have feel like I won't be good enough I'm not even gonna begin because it will be shit you know and that was me for a long time and it only took like one or two people to say no this is good or oh wow you know to, to spur me on and that's okay is to kind of have that sense of community and have people good people around you who, who understand you and and support you so um, yeah, so I'm, 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 and I'm just glad it's connected to people in a way like more profoundly than I can ever have expected. And for the word 
like healing to come up as much as it did, that was quite a shock because for me to make it is meditative. It's my way of kind of having a moment of healing and stuff. So for that to transcend and, and kind of um, affect others in that way uh, also is just wonderful, you know. Yeah, that's and it it makes a lot of sense to me because the album itself it's very interesting how I love contrast in music and art in general. I think one of the big things that leaps out at me whenever this album is how it does. You could tell you made it just by the very logistics how you make music like that. It was in a very solitary type of form, mm -hmm. but the music very much feels like it has its arms out rather than its <laughs> arms tucked in. That's good because, like, yeah, I I always personally when I make something I want to go into it. That's the only way I can describe it. I want to like dive into the sound. And so I think that people that have joined me there, in a sense, and they've kind of gone in into a world. Yeah. Um, that's that's yeah everything. That's really beautiful. <laughs> uh, a few weeks back, you released a new single called "Let It Go." Uh, I love a track like this that makes the listener feel like they're on a journey. I mean, where I brought up how the album it very much makes you feel like you're in trends. I feel like this track does that on a very much uh, focal level. Like it very <laughs> much, you feel the movement in it. Uh, what was yeah. it like for you to work on this one? Yeah, really refreshing. It was one of the first things I created when I went into, you know, album number two sessions. It was one of the few first few things that came up. And maybe, you know, it's it's quite it's quite forceful in a way. It's sort of quite demanding. It's, it tells you it's like commanding, let it go. And the beat itself is like bam, bam, but it's very hard. But I think at the same time as that kind of always hopeful like soft hardness that's the only way I can describe it and yeah. um, that people like connect to and people say yeah it like inspires me to do this or inspires me to do that and that's really great yeah. <laughs> so you know I haven't had the chance to ask a question like this yet to someone who mostly makes electronic music even though I've had the chance to talk to some electronic artists mm. but I would imagine naturally you would find yourself feeling inspired by uh, different songs you'd hear, different maybe like club settings and things like that. Mm. When you're a city like this here in New York, and like right now we're sat in a bench uh, by Washington Square Park, and there's a lot of different sounds going on around us, even if we just walked on a corner. What do you, when you're in a city like this, do you find yourself just like kind of sampling different sounds in your head? Like, is that, do you Oh, find not in my out? head. I like literally will sample them on like condenser mics that I take around with me. Yeah. Um, I've got one that I can plug into my phone. I also got, someone sent me another one the other day um, that I can just carry around. Oh, yeah. it. So um, if I hear something that I really like, um, I always, always take it down. And that sometimes can just be like a basis or an inspiration at least to begin a new track. Don't hear something really wild. Uh, one of the bands I've worked with a couple of times, Phoenix, the French band, they're bloody amazing. The last few albums that they've worked on, the way that they have the framework for it is they'll come off tour and each of the members will have like a little crappy uh, dictaphone that they'll <laughs> carry about. And they'll spend six months like just recording random sounds <laughs> throughout their days. Yeah. And then they'll reconvene and have over like months worth of audio, yeah. but they'll mine through it like on these four individual like recorders and they'll mine through it to see if there's like a framework of a song. Absolutely, I think it's so important because there's potential everywhere. And I, I mentioned this before, I think, but like Björk with um, Vespertine, um, I think it was when she had a child and she collated beats from uh, things in her house over two years. Yeah and had thousands of tiny micro beats and she made a Vespertine from that. So I, 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 that, that in itself, like when I heard that that's how she created it, that was when I was like, ah, yeah, I can do that myself. And it's always way more fun 
and I think adds to the ambience of a of a track. She is fucking amazing. There's a track on her album Army of Me. Can't remember the track yeah. name, but uh, it sounds like on one of these tracks, it sounds like it's a guitar going on, and it's just her voice distorted to the point that it sounds like a guitar. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing. There's there's, there's so many ways of doing it. So many ways of being creative, and sometimes like the listener won't even understand. It will just be in an interview, for example, that someone explains it and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is like, with music, you keep discovering, you know? Yeah, it's fucking rad. I want to go back to talking about the music you released recently. Um, also part of the recent single release, you also released a track called Omen. Uh, mm. What I really <laughs> love about this track is that it reminds me how certain emotions can be stirred up purely from different sounds and textures. Kind of going back to what we talked about initially. Yeah. Um, I have two questions for this song, and I have two questions in one. The first one is, did you have the title for this song before you worked on it? And two, what was the evolution like for Omen from concept to actual song? Okay, so no, the titles always come at the end, and actually so do the lyrics and the words, mostly as well, if there are any in tracks, because it's kind of like the music says it all to me. Once I have the sound and the, 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 the music, it's like, I know what I need to say, or I know, or I wait and see what the emotion is that comes up. So um, yeah, Omen was something I picked actually quite last minute. I had obviously let it go because I was saying let it go, yeah. but um, Omen was, was yeah a couple of days before we were gonna do the artwork and I was like, I need the thing. And, I was, and it just came to my mind. And I think it's because I basically started with the bass line, as you can kind of imagine. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted something that was really quite dark, but smooth, and again, would take me in somewhere. And, um, and then everything just built up from there. So I actually really love how it turned out because it was quite unexpected for me even. I don't think I've made something like that in a sense before. I mean, I think it has my kind of quite sub-aquaceous energy happening. Yeah. Um, because I am obsessed with bass and sub, as you can probably tell <laughs> from the first album. But um, and everyone's trying to control that, like a mixing engineer and like and just going, "Oh, are you sure you want this?" And I'm like, "Yes, you know, 80, <laughs> 80 hertz, peak it, peak it, you know." But um, yeah, so that was definitely led by the bass line. That's good. You know, I also loved your uh, "More Than a Woman" mix. I thought that was really cool. Thank you so much. And you know, that's obviously a difficult one as a white woman. You're kind of like by no means do I mean any disrespect and I just want people to realize like how much I respect her and Timberland and I wanted to do it justice as much as I could in my own way and so I, I was hopeful that people would connect to the the, the sentiment underneath and, and the, the pure like respect and I think that you know most people did and I, I'm, I'm really glad because um, she's incredible and I think anything where you can almost like reimagine and keep keep that alive is just uh, yeah. Yeah, and it also makes a lot of sense when you consider the context and when you came up and like uh, the music around because there was a big while in like you know the late '90s or 2000s when like it was so commonplace to see uh, remixes as reactions to like well-off songs and like yes. it's I feel like we've lost that a little bit but that's kind of like what maybe gravitates out when you hear like a really like good <laughs> remix you just go like fuck man like, yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah I think it's it'd be good to kind of bring that that way of doing things back a little bit um, but it was it was like a pleasure to, to work it's kind of mad how you don't really hear I mean you know how like a lot of people tend to find themselves gravitating towards acts from um, like best of compilations mm. i would definitely implore anyone listening to go listen to the leah best of because it's one of those things that reminds you yes. it's just banger after banger absolutely and I've, I've definitely got that somewhere on like cd for yeah. sure yeah it's i mean her voice 
like the smoothness of like her voice and the kind of fragility at strength you know and then you've got like the production of like some like oh my god that's just a, a whole world in it itself. was just a fucking sense um you know so i met you before how i never seen you live before some mm. friends of mine have seen you okay. uh particularly like when you played elsewhere last yes um, and one of the things that a lot of them told me about was how it was clear that you cared so much about the lights how light is such a big um portion of your live show and how you blend and play with that and how you utilize that and they a lot of them said it was like very clever um hmm. and i'd love to you kind of go into that more like how do you feel light is important for you and your music well i say like i so i have visuals basically with my live show that i commissioned um and it's completely syncopated with the music that for me like i think going back again movement with sound yeah. it's just synonymous for me it just really really helps to translate um the feeling and and the sound itself so I made sure I worked with someone to craft um, visuals, and uh, yeah, it really, really, really adds to it. Um, for the you know the next round, I would like to also bring someone you know who's going to also be manning the lights themselves. I always okay. give direction, always give creative direction. I don't have my own lighting person, but I really think that of course it conveys mood yeah. and a journey again, like, which is all about for me. That was gonna be my next question. Like, yeah. I imagine because you mentioned before uh, working on an album too. And I imagine you're also working on what the next evolution of the live show will be. Uh, what else can you tell us about it? Can't say too much, but um, yeah, I'm hoping there'll be some more music um, out before the end of the year. Not necessarily an album, but I don't know yet. We're yeah. going to see what happens. Um, but I'm already thinking like 10 million light years ahead about how I want it to be presented. And at the same time, you have to think about how you're going to present the first and second album together in a live context. I can't just never play Lucid again or whatever, yeah. you know? So it's like, how do you bridge those two worlds? And in a sense, like after you've made stuff, the world of that next album, you know, it takes some time to present itself to you. So I'm still kind of figuring out what that will be. And that excites me that even I don't know, for example, like the artwork and like, I'm not sure yet. And so that is going to be interesting for me as it is for anyone else. Yeah. You know? Well, tell me this, how do you feel about, cause I'm sure you've experienced like a multitude of different uh, live shows that, of things that acts will do when they're promoting a new album mm. where sometimes you'll get the acts that are either playing just two or three songs off a new album mm. or acts where 80% of the set list is the new album yeah. or it's like almost a 50-50 thing. Like, is there like a preference you have in that sense? This is really weird, but like when someone's album has just come out, I find it really difficult to hear 80% of the set as the new album. Yeah. I do. I think like that. No that, matter who the artist is. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Because I just don't think that's settled in enough. So I feel like, you know, the more prominent ones from the the new album, you know, would be in there and it would probably be a bit more 50-50. But then as time goes on, of course you kind of you then integrate more of the the latest record. For me personally that's how I think I would want it because I've been to so many shows where it's like this has just come out and it's like oh I well I haven't <laughs> haven't like latched onto it yet but I yeah. want to see them play so there's probably maybe three songs that I you know love so far or really understand so far. Yeah. But then at the same time sometimes seeing it live then gives you a different texture to go home and, and different element where you can work with and listen again yeah. and you maybe you'll hear something different. So We'll see. We'll I know see. exactly what you mean in that last bit. And um, 
I feel like this definitely comes with the privilege of being in a city like New York and London for me and you. Uh, but like, I feel a strong, so strongly for me that like, I can't fully uh, understand or contextualize an album until I see it perform mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it just adds an element. And like, when I was younger, I would actually, okay, so going back to like Maccabees Falls, but I remember like, I actually saw most of, you know, the first album live before it was even out. And then it added something else to me. So it definitely can do that. But also, um, I don't know, I think it's just different. And and, um, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> with the next song what comes first I have people. A, a last question for you but before I get to that can you think of uh, an artist or a live show you saw where you were like that's a perfect way to approach it with someone who had someone or a band that had a multitude of discography that you were really keen on well this shows how much I don't go to shows anymore but my <laughs> friend John Hopkins like I've seen him perform quite a few times we performed together he's one of my heroes he incorporates that really well where he knows what works and he actually we had a conversation about this he says he finds it difficult when he goes to see people and they don't play like what you describe as the hits of previous stuff he's like kind of going like well who's it about is it about <laughs> is it about you as the artist or is it about people who come to pay to see you yeah. and I kind of um, I agree with him so I think he really thinks similar ways as me in that sense and he always tries to incorporate what he knows people are going to want to hear yeah. with the new stuff and I think like a balance is important because ultimately it's not just about you of course I love knowing that you know him because I do feel to some degree I can hear his uh, not influence but I can hear how you could definitely grab things from him as an artist to feel inspired by yeah I mean I loved, um, you know, his previous records and and listened to those first and then, then met him. But I always felt like, you know, when you connect to something quite deeply, you know if you meet that person, you're probably going to connect. You're probably going to yeah. get along. And it was just <laughs> even better than I could have imagined. Like, we, we, we connected on so many levels, like sound, healing, like exploring psychedelic kind of you know what what transcendental kind of meditation and other things you know so um yeah i found like a kinship in in him and and that's really nice that's amazing i can't believe i can't remember the track name but there's a track that he has of lulu james that's just fucking amazing it right, came out like two three years ago it was really fucking grand though. i mean everything he does like every remix like you could just tell like his level of um I would call it honestly sound design. I don't yeah. think I've seen anyone work the way he does. The amount of stems that he has, like 150 for, for one track sometimes. This guy goes to town, and when I kind of discovered that, I, you know, my respect for him and his music went up tenfold. Yeah. Well, before I let you run here, because uh, tonight you're going to be DJing at Elsewhere, and then tomorrow you'll be uh, DJing at uh, MoMA PS1. We were talking about that before. I had uh, Freddie Gibbs and who else is playing? Madlib Madlib. Freddie Gibbs, yeah. yeah. That's unbelievable. I know, so, it's unbelievable so. for me. I'm like, <laughs> why am I? No. <laughs> I just feel very lucky that I'm part of something like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, before I let you run here, I know it's a broad question, but I would love to kind of hear you go into where you're at creatively speaking. I mean, what do you feel it is that's inspiring you and what's on your mind in terms of context of inspiration in a bit of like a day-to-day? Like I said, broad question, but I'd, I'd love to hear you kind of go into yeah, it. Um, well, like everyone else, I think it's really difficult for like the environmental stuff to not creep in. And I think it's been uh, definitely quite present in my creativity and my consciousness in that way, including even like how I travel and, you know, what I do as an artist and how I'm impacting on the climate and ways that I can reduce impact. And I think like 
for me that's quite difficult to get out of my mind but at the same time it's very inspiring because there are so many people who are on similar pages and people coming together to really kind of bring forward this new sense of hope through action um, and of course as well like lots going on in the US at the moment and I don't want to get too political but it's like you know these things how can you not be aware and conscious of them and um, I just it inspires me to be a better human being, you know, and to connect with people from all cultures, walks of life, and and I think now more than ever we need to all be coming together and um, uh, uplifting and, and, and helping one another. So that's really at the forefront of my mind a lot at the moment. I can understand that, especially in the context of what you'll be doing tonight. I mean, in a lot of yeah. ways, what you're doing is political in the sense that you're going to be performing in a room tonight where people's, the main crux of what's on people's mind is escaping what's outside yeah, the room. Yeah, but there's positive escapism. That's the thing. The word escape to me is not negative in, in that no, sense. And not. it's like, you know, we we all, um, yeah, there's just, there's just, people want those like transcendental moments. Like they're really, really craving them. And I understand, you know? Um, so yeah, like places I've realized like clubs, are totally that it's kind of the new form of spirituality in a sense it can be a transcendent experience and it, like a lot of people usually scoff at the word escapism but when you think about it there mm. are some forms of escapism a lot of them whether it be like even a book that's escapism or a movie yeah. or being at a club like you said that can like help you understand something in a different context helps you people. yeah it helps you to just i think follow your bliss and helps you to thrive and be inspired and like not just survive and yeah. that's the point we're in it's like I think that's often used as a tool to divide people is like keeping them low and down in bad like lower vibrations and then you're just in survival mode actually like what we're here on this planet to do is completely thrive and like lift up one another and I think that music can do that and that's really powerful yeah I'd agree with that well Kelly thanks so much for having me today I really do appreciate it oh, thank you so much yeah, thanks